Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. Um, I'm Mike. And Hi, Mike. This is my friend, Tim. It's nice to meet you. And we have another friend, Tim, that's going to be joining us today for another, what are we calling it? Gospel and Gombas? That's right. I think that's what it was. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Voxology Podcast. Um, we're so delighted to be with you today. Thank you for those of you who are uh, interested in what two white middle-aged men are uh, thinking about. We're very excited about that. Um, <laughs> because... <laughs> we're so excited about I, that. <laughs> well, I, I, I have to be honest, Tim. I'm shocked <laughs> that many people listen to us. I really am. I understand yeah. my brother listens to us. Uh, so hello, Brad. Um, and uh, hey, Brad. your dad listened to one of them, which was great. That's true. Yeah. He's and to Seth, Seth, now that we're on YouTube, hint, hint, um, Seth now watches them. You know what? <laughs> I was in a committee meeting for Young Life last night, and um, the regional director drove down to talk about some stuff. And I was like, oh, what do you listen to when you drive? She's like, you and Seth. And I was oh, like, that's what? funny. So, hi, Clea. Yeah. yeah. All right. So there, there. So we have dozens of listeners. So we're very excited about that. Dozens <laughs> of viewers on uh, YouTube. If you would go to YouTube and subscribe to that, even if you don't want to see our faces, which I don't blame you, um, that would be helpful for the YouTube Should algorithm. Start using so we're going to start like doing more avatar what? things. Just try to use those what? avatar things where we're like a. Either your animated face or a fox or something. I'm not sure you what know, you're like talking on the phone about right now. You know, like you can do a phone filter thing when you like talk. Like we were just doing on the Zoom call the other day, where we well, all went okay, with Mazzy, yes. Where we? <laughs> what's that? What's that have to do with um, YouTube? You said that they don't want to see so, our faces, so I said we should start using some filters oh, that oh, give us like oh, fox heads it. or yeah. animated heads. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Whoever's a graphic designer that's bored should just take the video, rip it off of YouTube, and then animate us. <laughs> You'd have to be really bored to be a part of that. <laughs> really, really um, bored. Yeah, so um, we're excited. Next week, we're going to be in Southern California, and um, yeah. we're doing an appreciation dinner for some Tithe.ly and Patreon folks. Um, if you're one of those folks and you haven't... Um, RSVP or just now finding out about it, you can email us at hello at voxpodcast.com, even though we are Voxology Podcast. Um, uh, today, we have some things to talk about. Uh, we're going to get to the gospel with Gombas here shortly because it's an hour conversation about evil spirits and suffering in the world and so great. And Tim, Tim just takes over. Uh, towards the end of this thing. And I, by Tim, I mean Stafford. Um, so it's really the Tims. Um, let's see. Treasured time with Tims is what we'll call that. And um, so so there's this big revival happening, I guess, yeah. at Asbury. It's all over my Twitter feed. And we people have been dying for our hot takes on this. They have. So... They have. I would say exactly nobody has asked us to comment on this. And so, so we to shall. Unpre to, due to unprecedented <laughs> demand, yes, we shall. I, Tim, I don't know about you. I have two comments on this. The first yeah. is, the first is, we're just so dumb. We being the collective <laughs> Christian people in America, <laughs> we're just so dumb. Whether or not this is a revival, how how can we tell in like a week? It's just the dumbest, yeah. dumbest thing. And then, and then, secondly, why why do people have to go drive, check it out, and then report back about their findings? Which a lot it's, of people have the whole. It's I just think it's the dumbest thing. I really do. If it if it is from God, <laughs> hallelujah, and it will bear much fruit and come Lord Jesus, more of it. And if it's if it's not, I'm I'm not opposed to people praying more and and worshiping more and but why do we have to figure it out, label it, uh, uh right. pontificate about it? So 
I'm going to pontificate about the pontificators and just say Ooh. it's all dumb. It's just dumb. I God is always at work, and the times when he manifests his presence, if that provokes confession, lament, repentance, justice, worship, hallelujah, hallelujah. But it's far too early to tell. And so, um, and, and how, I mean, and, and I get why we're all cynical, for sure. Um, yeah. I get it. But at the same time, if something like that broke out in uh, in my little church community or in Tim's sort of dead heart, I think we'd all be thrilled. <laughs> um, if Tim all of a sudden a repented, wasteland. <laughs> repent, tohu vabuhu is the name for that, uh, which is wild and waste from Genesis 1. But yeah, if Tim repented from his love for Halloween and turned his affection to the pastel colors of Easter, I think we would all realize revival has indeed happened. It's kind Do you of have any still Easter color? Sure, it is. Uh, if, if you're on YouTube, you can see. Yeah, it's a beanie. And um, all right. Do you have any comments, Tim? Since people exactly, no one has asked us about this. <laughs> a few people have asked, oh. and uh, they must have I asked you personally. That... Well, I watched a bunch of interviews with students. I read a bunch of the things from the people who drove out there. The students, it seems authentic for the people there, like the students. Yeah. They're having, something's happening, and they are embracing it and leaning into it. And the faculty apparently has been really supportive of that and has tried to be protective of it. Because I know our buddy Foyt has um, reached out. <laughs> apparently, he reached out about coming to lead music there. I read somewhere. Oh. And uh, they're like, no, we've got it. We, our students are leading. And then you know, he's <laughs> tweeting about it. And so there's a lot of people oh. trying to co-opt it and kind of oh, give shocker. it a meaning that they want to give it. And yeah. so that kind of stuff is gross and frustrating. And there's been uh, yeah. some very, very, very fringe people going out there and screaming obscenities about the LGBTQ community. And awesome. Um, so because it has it's just, provoked questions about that with some of the students there. So it's, I don't know, but I agree. Like the, our, we're so hungry to give things meaning and to latch onto them and try to like, if that's what is concerning to me is just how crazy people are for, to dumb. find something. It's like, are we, why are we yeah. so hungry for something? Like, what did we, where's our focus kind of meandered off the trail? We're dumb. We're dumb. We're just all we're just dumb. But I hope for the kids' sake that it's real and great and that... Um, it is. That real fruit comes from this and we see them in their communities and... Yeah. Hallelujah. Let's do let's do more of that. I mean, yeah. I'm not arguing with more people praying and more people worshiping. Totally. And, you know, we have, we have all the same cynicisms, but why is that our first move? Um, or our first move is to, well, I got to go check it out and let everyone know. <laughs> I yeah. mean, come on. It's so interesting. There are a lot of people going and like reporting on it. And right. Hey, guys, I think this is real. And... Good, good. I'm glad you think so. I, it's, yeah, I, don't, I just don't get it. I don't get what provokes the need to do that. Maybe that's why I was making the joke about two white dudes doing a podcast because we need more. <laughs> we need more yeah. of that. Um. Well, now we're, we've inceptioned anyway, it to white dudes commenting on the commenting of the pontification of the... It, yes. 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 And I prefer pontification about pontification rather than pontification about events. So, <laughs> huzzah! All right. <laughs> Anything fun. else we got? We got the He Gets Us commercials that happened during the Super Bowl. And that seemed, in my timeline anyway, to generate more conversation than Rihanna. Um, yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> so if the goal of that campaign was to provoke conversation, yep, there were people who were conservative who hated it, and people who were very liberal who hated it. And uh, there you go. <laughs> Which is fascinating. So, oh, totally. Totally. Yeah, so I saw I, the, you know. the conservatives were, it was not Jesus enough. Mm. And the liberals were like, it's money poorly spent that Jesus right. wouldn't do. And there right. seemed to be like a moderate middle that was like, well, if it provokes curiosity, then. Well, there are several people in my life who loved it, who yeah. absolutely thought, yes, that's, I mean, love your enemies. Me I mean, that, I, yeah. that minute long commercial was good. 
Yeah. Oh, they're very uh, well produced and yeah. Yeah. And it was, and it was great because the love your enemies commercials totally polarized people. So of course, of course, it's just, it's so much nonsense, Timothy, that (laughs) we we're incapable of just even celebrating and leaving alone um, a you know eight day or ten day prayer meeting that is going on. We just have to corrupt it and investigate it and label it. And you know what know, was man. interesting is somebody I don't remember who it was, but was commenting on largely what the target generation is for a commercial like that is like younger millennials and Gen Z, and they are not into spectacle and mm. uh, see through they're the ones that are the harshest critique critics of uh, the way the church spends its money and operates. And mm. so in that way, it mm. was like a huge misstep negative because yeah. yeah. they just say, why are you spending that much money? Here's what right. that money could do. And right. Cause right. they're kind of the generations too. that have to be more fiscally creative than the previous ones. Cause life has gotten a lot more expensive. Yeah. Like buying homes, buying cars, Everything has gone up so much. Unless you have a YouTube channel. Unless you have a YouTube channel, you're in trouble. Yeah. Yep. So bunch of nonsense, all of it. Bunch of nonsense. Yep. And we're we're glad to be a part. (laughs) (laughs) I'd like to throw my noise into the Oh yeah. Absolutely. Elite I just we're self aware enough to know the irony of us complaining about this as we release a podcast into the wild. Thank you, dozens of <laughs> listeners. Thank you for supporting our nonsense. <laughs> Seriously. Some of you support it and encourage it. Some of you graciously critique it. But in any event, it's just a delight to be a part of this whole community. And it's also been a delight um, to to have this deep friendship with Tim Gombas. Um when I first, I, I discovered his blog 12 years ago, and he wrote a book on Ephesians that was phenomenal, and I never thought, you know, in, uh, we'd, we'd be hanging out and texting and laughing at stuff, and anyway, we want to do these periodically because um, there aren't many world-class scholars who are willing to just come on a podcast and kind of bat around ideas without having yeah. to you know, have a finished sort of product. And, um, man, I've really grown a bunch, um, through his contribution here and his own podcast. So we're always excited when he comes on, we know, you know, for some, some of us it's, and, and, and I, and he and I geek out and Tim rescues us kind of in the middle of the thing. (laughs) Um, Gombas and I are geeking out and, and Tim's like, okay, you'll just hear it. Okay. Okay. What is happening? Yes. What were all those words you just said? (laughs) And there were things here that um, I wasn't quite sure I agree with. Tim is going to characterize kind of the role of the church as sort of hunkering down and holding on. And I don't buy that at all. And yeah, uh, we got to do a part two to this because it is just yeah, very provoking. It it was very much, I, I, I kind of abruptly ended about an hour in um, (laughs) just out of mercy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> for for the it's so much it is so much and, and so yeah we want to do this kind of once every uh four or five weeks and uh, keep the conversation going um anyhow we are delighted delighted to offer to the world another edition of gospel with gombas in its glory oh there you go three g's so what's up gombas dude it's hard to know nothing everything's great (laughs) everything's great everything is great my life's great how many days till baseball dude i'm going out there i'm going to phoenix uh the first week of march watch the cubbies and visit my daughter Ooh, but um i think it's what do we got six six and a half weeks i don't know something like that i don't know pitchers and catchers 
I call this period of the year the dark times. Oh man, this is like this stretch. I I I cannot bring myself to care about college basketball. You know, no. or the or like, <laughs> who cares about the NBA? So it's like, what what do you do? No. No, there's literally nothing. And I just watched the Super Bowl over and over and over. Again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so hard. I texted Gombish yesterday. He's like, "Hey, happy uh, High Holy Day in America." <laughs> That's what it is. It's a national holiday. It totally, it totally is. Um. So, so, what's the progress on your New Year's resolutions? Good, decent. Decent, Decent. like the indications, uh, the indications with the whole hand are are going well. That one's going well. Going well. You know, just right here, right? This one here. Yeah. Which one are you talking about? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This one, obviously. So uh, that's going well. Pretty consistent. A couple of failures, but for the most part, holding steady. And then um, on the contractions... I don't know. Yeah. I, I do not one. know. That may have been a, like shooting for the moon a little, little bit. Yeah. Like I said, that was an, I was making an effort in that direction, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't holding myself to it. Wasn't exactly. I was not. Was not holding yeah, myself, holding myself <laughs> to it. <laughs> this is how stripped bare my life has become that these are the issues. Yeah. I love it. That's I rich. love it. Describe describe the room you're in right now, if you would. It looks it, it looks undecorated. Oh yeah. Well, well, I mean, <clears throat> well, the room behind me is the uh, the living room. I'm in my dining room, and yeah, it's okay. like I don't know. I, there's a bare patch of wall back there. Yeah. I uh, <laughs> I don't really. What am I going to do? I'm not going to. It's hard to know to what extent I want to decorate this place. Dude, Hobby Lobby, come on, man. Yeah. There's there's word there's word art. Yeah. Things like things like <laughs> live live laugh live love. laugh love. Yeah. <laughs> I thought about putting up some of my um my finger paints and um Ooh. Yeah. Nice. Aspects of this place are decorated, but there are it's okay. it's completely inconsistent. There's like the living room is really well uh appointed. The rest of this place is just yeah. kind of neglected space, which is fine. Did I don't you care. ever finish the finger paint you did of my portrait? <laughs> Still working I've on it. I've been waiting. Okay. Still working on it. I mean, because I didn't it's know. Abstract. I didn't know nude went, meant like nude. <laughs> so I just thought, I thought, I thought nude was a color. <laughs> and uh, as it turned out. Anyway. So much more. It's going to be yeah, abstract. That, so that, that will, that, that's why we have a YouTube channel now is I get uh, it. for stuff like that. I get it. Um, so Dr. Gombas, Dr. Reverend Gombas, when last we left off, a lot of titles. Yes. <laughs> friend, American citizen, I'm ordained fellow taxpayer. You are ordained. You're yeah. foreordained. <laughs> and <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> the, uh... we'll see. <laughs> yeah. I think so, I, the American so, Church of Marriage or something like that. Like I, I performed a wedding in Ohio a couple of years ago, and I, you know, you got to be licensed in Ohio. In oh, Michigan, yeah. you oh, can yeah. just show up, just yeah. pull someone off well, the street. Anyway, I mean that's the difference. <laughs> yeah, I got a, I got there ordained by the Universalist something or other online. Me and Conan O'Brien to uh, do yeah. weddings. There you go. It's a nice. rich brotherhood. Am I the only one that did it right? <laughs> I tried to do it right, and everyone made it so complicated. And then this popped up, and I was like, "Well, I'll just do that." Yeah, fifteen bucks. <laughs> yeah. it's a lifetime or, you know ordination what? goes over state lines yeah we need, need. Uh, why wouldn't we do that why well, i mean we're a nonprofit. why wouldn't we do marriage licenses Start some, and yeah. certificates wait like voxology yeah yeah oh that's a great idea let's that's do a it. great idea yeah, another revenue <laughs> bucks <clears throat> yeah yeah i mean that's have you guys ever so thought about doing would... merch oh yes. we have it Really? We have merch you really? in the oh, pipeline. Wow. Oh, yes. Wow. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. You want there's, some? Uh, there's one Kinda. t-shirt that just says, effing Gombas. <laughs> but we had to change it because there aren't contractions anymore. So we we're going to make, spell uh, it out. We're going to make bracelets to say, WWGS, what would Gombas say? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And Interesting. It, it would use the, usually use the word dynamic yeah. in some sort of <laughs> some sort of way. Yeah, my speech patterns are pretty well established. Yes. Although I was I did a um and this I don't know if this was an insult to you or to me. But I was <laughs> I did uh Preston Sprinkles podcast mm. and I was riffing on something, he's like you sound just like Tim Gombas. And I said, bro, Dude. Tim Gombas sounds just like me. That's right. And I'll call you I, Mike Honcho for nothing. Yeah. Seriously, man. And if anyone wants to know the Mike Honcho reference, you've just got to go and watch Talladega Nights. And uh, it's hidden. I was going to say, it's, it's hidden in there. either that or Starsky and Hutch or something. I don't know what. <laughs> totally. Totally. It was my fantasy football name. But anyway. That's awesome. We digress. Timothy, welcome back yeah, to the program. I don't know. I'll, I'll be interested to see if uh, our YouTube numbers go up because people want to see what you look like. Oh, man. Um, you know, just that voice. <laughs> that voice really is something. And um, if you're really interested in where all the good looks went in the Gombas family, yeah. just look up his sisters. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm trying to get the. So, uh, I'm trying to get. I'm trying to um, follow Bono's footsteps, you know, and get like that husky, gravelly voice from years of smoking. So I'm taking up some new hats. Oh, yes. Good job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every New Year's resolutions don't have to be negative. Oh, totally. They can just be. Yeah, I take want up the a husky new habit. Voice. Why not? <clears throat> yes. Or sound like what's his name? So, uh, the ah oh, shoot, Alec Baldwin. Oh, that's you know. a good. Like I, it's got a good voice. Yeah, uh, just him narrating, the ro- him narrating the Royal Tenenbaums. That's like, that's like the soundtrack of my. In my <laughs> a mind. good Tenenbaums riff going on. <clears throat> that was awesome. Facebook or what? <laughs> I thought no one's going to get this. <laughs> you, have fellow, <laughs> yeah, you have right. a fellow. Yeah, that's right. Fellow Tim, you have a fellow Tim. Um, uh, Doctor Gombus, Reverend Gombus. When the last we left off, we were talking about the kingdom of God and um, great conversation, as always, about that. But as Tim and I were processing, because, you know, usually what we do is we have an interview with you and then we do an after, kind of an after interview where we sort of correct some of the things. <laughs> that's that, that's the know, longer part. Yeah. And, some gompous um, after hours. <laughs> And one of the things that we were we were talking about in the scheme of the kingdom is where where does evil fit in to the kingdom? Where do uh, demonic spirits or principalities and powers like if God's um, if God's desire was that the kingdom um, and His will would be done on earth as it is in heaven? Um, where does evil come from in the biblical account? So we wanted to riff just a little bit on um, the origins, as far as you know, we can tell because I don't think the Bible gives us a ton on that. But um, certainly the presence of evil, and and you know we can get into sovereignty and all those great things that you've explored. But if you were just talking to somebody who was kind of newish to the faith, and uh, they said, "Okay, so great, kingdom of God, that's what Jesus is offering. Why why is there still evil and suffering?" in the midst of that kingdom, what would you say? Man, that's a good question for someone who's just brand new into the faith. Why is there evil and suffering in the world? Um, because God, God desires, <clears throat> God, uh, <clears throat> sorry, the process. It's, it's of, that uh, new habit. It's that new habit I was gonna say, that you're developing. I was going to say, there's, there's the, <laughs> that's the downside. The, um, <laughs> God's kingship over creation is not something that is like immediate or um, at, at creation, God sought to establish his kingship over creation through humanity. And so that's his ultimate desire. Um, so he's, he's king over creation, but he's, um, his aim was to, to sort of uh, bring that about or to actualize that on earth over time. And he, so he put his image bearers and humans are the image of the king in creation space, which was supposed to manifest God's reign. But humanity, um, 
just sort of humanity rebelled against that plan. So it's not it's not working out. So humanity is responsible for this world not looking like God is king. Do you know what I'm saying? So it's like um, at the beginning, there's uh, I mean, I'm just imagining this new person. I'm losing I'm losing them by just getting into uh, <laughs> extensive description. But um, yeah, at the beginning, God. Had so when to, we go ahead. Well, no. So so when I hear people say God is in control or God is sovereign. How does that, how do those statements square with God's kingship is actualized through human beings? Yeah. God, God is sovereign. That's who he is in himself. And God is king. That's sort of his role in relation to creation. But that reality was supposed to look like something at the beginning. So God's kingship or God's sovereignty was an arrangement whereby he brought that about through humans being uh, responding to God's commission to rule over creation on his behalf. And that would have been a dynamic, that would have been a dynamic process. So it's like humans are bringing, they're, they're subduing chaos and they're bringing about ever increasing uh, flourishing globally. Uh, that was the design. And then at the very beginning, humans just sort of chucked it and said, we're not doing that where they became agents of chaos and so over time, chaos and suffering and hardship have increased. And um, as the biblical story goes along, God is aiming to get that plan back on track as things go. Mm-hmm. And then um, ultimately when Jesus comes, he, uh, he comes to sort of depict for all time what God's reign looks like. And he ends up uh, doing something that's completely upside down and he absorbs human suffering. So Jesus, uh, at the end of the gospel story, he gets up on the cross, which is his throne. And, and that's what God's kingship looks like now. That's what God's sovereignty Mm -hmm. looks like now. This, this suffering cross-shaped crucified King ruling over, um, uh, a realm in which his followers are co-suffering with creation. And, um, so currently God's reign, like, so you just mentioned that passage in Matthew where Jesus teaches the disciples to pray, may your will be done on earth as it is in this heavenly kingdom. So Hebrews and Matthew are two Jewish Christian texts, which depict this reality where there's a concrete world already there up in heaven over which God rules. And that world looks like already God reigns over it. Uh, like in Hebrews mm-hmm. two, the writer says um, God had appointed over over creation uh, the the man the human and but we do not see him ruling now like that that mm. scenario got thrown off because the humans rejected it but we do see him who has gone into heaven crowned with glory and honor so like that heavenly world is the world to which Jesus has gone um, to sort of establish God's reign over it and. The Christian posture in this world right now is to co-suffering with the suffering of creation as chaos and suffering run its course and to look forward to that future day when um, God brings that heavenly world down and that heavenly world overtakes this creation. And that will look like God is reigning. I mean, you'll see it everywhere. You'll see God's reign actualized. But this present experience is not one in which we see it like you can say God is king, and a lot of the Psalms say that. You know, God rules right. highly exalted above the he heavens. Sits enthroned. Yeah. Yes, I mean He is the King. That's who He is. This is identity. But um, as every Israelite knows, you look around; oh, it doesn't look like it. What's yeah. the deal? And like in yeah. Psalm seventy-two, where Asaph is like, "Yeah, look around, and everything's upside down. The, the righteous are suffering, um, the, the wicked are prospering, and none of this makes sense." And then right. he's like. Um, Boy, I'm glad I didn't say say that out loud because as the teacher of Israel, I would have betrayed God Um, because I went into the temple and I saw the eschatological vision. I saw into the future where God finally sets everything right. And that's the day we're still waiting for. I mean, the Christian posture in the world is a world where we're like, what is the deal? When a God, this is your world. When are you going to return and set everything right? Because creation is in pain and we're in pain. We want, we want that world where your will is done 
on earth as it is in the heavenly world. And it's not here yet. Yeah. Do you guys so, think that words like king and sovereign and reign, uh, are our understandings of those words not accurate for those descriptions of God? Like at a base level, because all these conversations always... I don't know. So if you were to enter into this and say, Hey, my understanding of kingship is off or my understanding of sovereign is off. Or are those words used on purpose because of our understanding for them? Does that make sense? Yeah. Are we starting from an off base? Yeah. Well, I think it's God's kingship looks like. Yeah. It's one of those terms that's so loaded in our minds and there's nobody, I mean, we've not taken the time to slow down and ask, what does that look like in the story as the story progresses? I think we have in our minds this concrete, abstract, instantaneous uh, depiction of God being in control of everything and kind of tinkering with things and you know, mm-hmm. searching out evildoers and making sure um, that they're all punished and that all righteous people are blessed or whatever. Uh, I think we're all imagining different scenarios that the biblical writers don't have in mind. Plus, we've got like 2,000 years of Christian theology that developed kind of away from the scriptural kind of embeddedness and, you know, went through a variety of changes as it went up into Europe and got abstracted and all of that. It just, it's a, we're working with different conceptions than the biblical writers are. That's for sure. Yeah. I want to spend a little time on that heavenly reality. So... Jesus is concretely reigning and ruling over a heavenly reality, correct? Yeah. I mean, I'm just quoting yeah. quoting something I understood you to say. So part one of the question is, let's describe, let's talk about that heavenly reality insofar as the New Testament or Old Testament gives us hints towards that. But then my second question is, does that heavenly reality include the powers and the principalities that Paul writes um, uh, about or against, um, how do they relate to the heavenly reign of, of Jesus? So, so are, do we see the powers and principalities sort of cast down into this creation and out of that heavenly reality? And, and at what point do these principalities and powers kind of enter the story? Yeah, man, that's a lot there, but I think it's really critical. Um, (laughs) there's, there's a sense in which, the, uh, the fallen powers and the rulers of this age, along with the singular ruler of this age, they sort of um, belong to this age in their rebellion mm-hmm. against God. I mean, God also created these sort of heavenly entities to assist him or to be deputies of his rule over creation because mm-hmm. for some reason, the creator God loves to oversee his creation through like lieutenants and deputies for, for whatever reason. That's just what he does. He does it through humans and he does it through these heavenly powers. And heavenly powers have also rebelled in addition to humans, and in, in doing so have no longer kind of managed creation on, on his behalf and made themselves invisible. They've kind of like grasped and grabbed hold of this creation in order to dominate it and control it. Um, and in so doing have kind of like wedded themselves to this present evil age. And that's yeah. critical because what, what Jesus does on the cross mm-hmm. is uh, he judges this age and its rulers. So like yeah. when Paul says in first Corinthians two, that if, um, if these, these rulers of this age had known, um, about Jesus's identity, they would, they would have not have crucified the Lord of glory. Like they yeah. did, that was their death knell. That was, that was yeah. their undoing. And then in, on the cross, uh, the gospel writers depict that, that darkness that comes over the land, which is all this judgment language and mm-hmm. the darkness lifts at the death of Christ. Uh, as far as the gospel writers tell it, and the the temple veil is torn, and on the temple veil is is a, a depiction of the cosmos. So that, that's a symbol of this age being judged. And Paul also mm-hmm. says in First Corinthians two that the, those rulers are going they're going down to nothing, or they're they're going down yeah. to destruction. They're coming apart basically yeah. as this yeah. age progresses. So, and and one of the things that the writer of Hebrews says and. Matthew, very Jewish gospel, and Hebrews, a very Jewish epistle, Christian Jewish documents, they're both working with this Jewish view of the world where there are these two ages. And in one sense, they're subsequent. 
This, this age is followed by the age to come, which is when God's rule will enter. But they're also like spatial, like like, mm-hmm. like on two different planes. One is up in heaven and one is this, the, the present one is down here on earth. And um, this gets a little bit into the weeds, but it's really unfortunate how... No, um, we love weeds. Tim's lo- Tim loves weed. I love weed. <laughs> uh, okay, parenthesis... I just can't. Okay. Who was the first? Who is the first person that said this is a little bit inside baseball? It's like what? <laughs> it's like that's become an expression over the last like three years. No, yeah. oh, this is a little inside baseball. It's like oh, yeah, I, whatever. Okay, close parenthesis. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Side note. Footnote. Um, Jeez, Louise. Okay, so in in Hebrews, there's there's like three or f- there's I think there's three of them. I'm, I'm saying there's maybe three or four instances of world. If you look up the NIV, sometimes it has universe, and it's really too bad mm-hmm. because um, at the beginning of it's Hebrews, cosmos. Well, yeah, it's ages, and it's plural. Oh, it's it's um it's God did not create the universe and was Hebrews one four or whatever. He created the ages. Mm. And then, and then there's um, uh, is that aeon yes. or aeonion? Yes, and it's plural. And it, it um, yeah. there, there's I think there's four times it appears. And what Jesus does is he goes into he goes into basically the future age or the heavenly world, which is the same thing. And what he does Got in it. Hebrews, and and it's like this is so critical, is um, with his own blood. So he he basically acts as a high priest. He dies, and with his own blood, he ascends as a high priest. Well, Hebrews makes that part clear. But what he does in that heavenly world is he purifies it. So that heavenly world is a world purified from chaos or... uh, It's basically purified temple space. And he's gone ahead. Creation space. He's the author and the perfecter. So he's gone ahead into that heavenly world, um, and he's prepared it and cleansed it, and he's ruling over it. And so the powers and authorities, the presence of like sin, death, and flesh are all out and um that's and then when the writer of hebrews turns back to talk to about us now um he talks about us being pilgrims and like making it through this age to then join jesus in that age um where god's rule is manifest so Mm. by faith uh the writer of hebrews says by faith we see him there but like Mm. like it takes Mm. faith to say like I'm going to live my life in this world as if he is in the next world already ruling it, knowing that this world is, is already judged and is sort of the place that chaos has overrun. Um, yeah. Yeah. By the way, that's, that's beautifully uh, depicted in the final, well, in the speeches, in the speeches that Sheriff Bell gives in No Country for Old Men. It's like it powerfully so resonates with this. It's awesome. Because he talks throughout that, either the book or the film, about how like there's, so, like there's an evil coming that is just, it's too much. This is not what my father faced. You know, his father was a sheriff. Yeah, it's like, this yeah. is, this is yeah. something different. And then, yeah. this is, oh, I'm getting goosebumps. At the very end, he talks about, um, he, he's retired, he's a retired sheriff, and he wakes up the first morning of his retirement, he's talking to his wife, and he's like, I had, this, had these two dreams last night. And oh my word, this is awesome. And he talks about how yeah. his father, he had a dream where his father had this, this horn where he kept the burning coals, um, you know, to go to the next campsite, keep the fire alive. Mm. And he said he, he went through a snowy pass in a mountain and I lost sight of him. Mm. But I know I'm going to join him. The end. It's like, oh, oh, it's unbelievable. <laughs> it's unbelievable because it's that. It so captures that Christian vision of this age. Evil is going to overrun this age, but it's not the end of the story. And there's this Mm -hmm. other reality that's out there. um, That's that's happening now. Eschatological hope. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But but it's not a future reality. It's a current reality that manifests in the future. Yeah, that's right. It's only going to come about in the future. And like the, um, the, uh, the aim now as Christian people is to pray that God's will would be done here. Like, like may the heavenly world match this world as much as possible. And then to actually act as communities yeah, to of new live into, to, to do inhabit. it. Yeah. 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 To live the kingdom have of you, heaven. Economy. Have you been reading this book? Have you been reading this? Oh no. 
No, I talked okay. with David uh, years ago about that. He uh, published his work a while back. But that's his whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, that's his whole th- That's why I was wondering if you'd read it. It's, it's called Rethinking the Atonement, David Moffat, yeah. two Fs, two Ts. And it's a, whole, it's a meditation on Hebrews. Yeah. Yeah, he's so, fantastic. Um, and he, his work has been pioneering in that regard. And it's interesting that, um, well, the, one of the things that's fascinating is that that, well, again, this is a little it. inside baseball. <laughs> but um, for years, for generations... <laughs> Um, a certain kind of reading of Paul, Paul's atonement, was read into Hebrews. Yes. And then David's work was absolutely pioneering to say, basically, no, no, no. It's not that Jesus, Jesus dies to get his blood to then cleanse the heavenly world. And, then, and what's interesting is if you turn back now and read Paul in Romans 3, uh, 25. Yes. It's the same yes. thing. Paul and Hebrews are it they is. totally agree. Well, well, I know. But, Shocking. But our... Our reformed friends want to say that's propitiation there mm-hmm. and not expiation. And um, so it's the blood of the sacrifice as opposed to like the blood of cleansing. Hmm. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah well, it's, it's, <laughs> there's been uh, years where expiation or propitiation are like um, where that's sort of like tr- I think certain people try to make that an issue, but it's, it's just, it disappears when you actually try to find a difference between the two. Um, mm. But really what's happening there is Jesus doesn't like, it's not like his blood, um, his, his blood doesn't necessarily have saving significance apart from Jesus, then sprinkling the blood on the whole, on, on the hill, Asteria, on the holy place, uh, the, the mercy right. seat. Um, and in, in Paul's vision there, it's like, the church exists sort of on top of the mercy seat where Jesus has cleansed that space. Right. Cause it, the old it's Testament sacrificial system, it was like the, the high priest cleansed that space so that God could then dwell with his people. Right. And that, that, okay. That's the thing that when we get next episode into sin, I always, I always construed sin as moral trespass as opposed to sin as pollution or sin as corruption. You know, and and that so much of the sacrifice was cleansing, not this judicial, hey, I'm killing the animal because I'm pouring out my wrath on the animal instead of you. Right. But instead, it was the cleansing of the pollution or corruption of the temple that was at issue. Yeah. yeah. I think for a long time, um, this kind of uh, penal idea just made a lot of sense um, to certain systems of theology where, you know, God's angry, his wrath needs to be appeased, he's angry at you, takes it out on Jesus yeah. and now he can be cool with you. Um, but yeah, that's exactly it. We're all, we're all inhabiting this polluted space where the cosmic mm-hmm. power of spin, uh, sin has reigned. And, um, now Jesus has cleansed that space and freed it up. And like, you're bringing in the powers and authorities. It's like th- we, we exist in this new space where they don't have the same power they formerly had. And the power at oh, work there so is the power of the spirit and the power of Christ himself. And it's purified right. space. You know, so long right. as we maintain the, the practices that enact it, right. which are, you know, loving but, one another. So, but when we step out, like when you, when we say, you know, do not let the sun go down in your anger or you will give the enemy a topos, right? Is that the word? Mm-hmm. A foothold or space or something. And, um, so, so when we sin, it's not like, I mean, correct me here, but it's not like. Uh, sin is entering into the purified space. It's that we're stepping out of the purified space and subjecting ourselves again to the dynamics, the good word, of wrath and chaos and sin. Correct? Yeah. Or yeah. Or it's like we're we're no. Um, no? Well, Six. the thing is, in community, like we're all existing in purified space, and it's like the reason why we need to be uh, sort of vigilant for how community works is that. Um, you know, gossip and slander and power moves and, you know, the way we sin against one another, that invites, pol- that, that brings in the pollution into purified space, you know, okay. and, and so then purified space like can still be polluted. Sure. Yeah. Through that. Okay. That's why sin, that's why Paul is so insistent on, on um, sins being dealt with quickly because mm-hmm. it's like you're polluting mm-hmm. the space again. And, that pollution can be just eliminated instantly if there's confession of sin and forgiveness and if there's restoration, it's like it zaps it clean. You know, those those mm. practices of 
reconciliation are cosmically powerful. Mm. Dang. Stafford, your, your face, <laughs> your face betrays a multitude of sins. That feels accurate. You guys are, I'm trying to, I don't even know how to word questions. This is all like, I think we've gone past inside baseball. We're in like foreign inside, language inside? baseball. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it's like a lot of big words, and a lot of big terms. I'm trying to think of the questions to ask that somebody might have. Like on this topic, um, like I was talking to Mike after we talked last time and the question that I keep coming into contact with, with people it's just it, every thread, any thread you pull leads to why the problem of evil. Like, why was this the model that God chose? Why is my mom, uh, why did she experience so much physical abuse growing up? Um, why are we the ones that are tasked with being the intermediaries in suffering? Why does God not act? Why is this the mode that God chose to use. And so it's like the, also if you guys are talking about it's on one end of the spectrum where I get it and it makes sense <laughs> when we go to the other side and I don't know if there's answers for this, but this is, I feel like every single conversation I'm in theologically, when you're talking with people who are deconstructing or reconstructing or whatever, every single conversation leads to why, why is it like this? Why was this the model that God chose to use? And I, I don't know, but <laughs> I don't know if you know, I don't know if anyone knows. I don't know if anyone understands why this is the, the mode that God has chosen to construct through, but the suffering and the problem of evil, just, I, I feel like everything leads there. Exist and then it's just that's like the most existentially pressing reality. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, to, in a sense, to me, it goes back to the fact that, um, that God is ultimately a collaborator and what he wanted was a collaborative arrangement with humanity to uh, enact his rule over the world. And humanity just went off the humanity decided to, to pursue its own selfish ends. And um, when that happens, God doesn't change. He doesn't, he doesn't cease being a collaborator. He, he, he calls, he calls people back and then he, he, and then to solve the problem, he, he stays a collaborator. He works through Abraham, Israel, and then um, finally he comes himself, and Jesus experiences that existential human crisis by by being the ultimate. He takes ultimate suffering onto himself. He like swallows all of the pain and suffering, and um, it crushes him and kills him. And uh, I mean, he's the most unjust suffer. I mean, he's, he's the, the righteous sufferer. And he asks, he asks that those existential questions like, God, where are you? Why have you rejected me? What is the deal? Yeah. So, I mean, it's like, another what's can of worms. It's like, this is, this is God. He's, he's not, he ultimately rules his world from a cruciform place in revelation. He's, he's a crucified lamb on the throne. It's, it's so upside down. It's so radically upside down, but the task of the church is to be this people that has solidarity with the suffering. And like, I don't think we have, there, there are so many ways in which we don't, we don't have ultimate answers. I mean, I, I think, I think we do. I think the story answers a lot of that. This is just who God is. He's a collaborator and he's calling us, um, to, he's calling us to enact what he wants from humans in the world. And we're not doing it. Um, in fact, this, this is so, I'm still trying to get my head around this. Um, read a book a little while ago by um, John Caputo. And um, if you think about existence as uh, something that we do, like creation exists. And he says, because of that, because that's the language you use about creatures, that's God does not exist. God insists. God, God is this call to humans, um, mm -hmm. inviting us to into exist. this collaborate collaboration to heal creation and we're the ones mm. um yeah. that's how he set the whole thing up and he doesn't stop he doesn't step out of that in a sense he doesn't step out of that and become like okay well all right i'll take over and i'll make everything fine right it, hurt, it hurts it, it's like it sucks in the meantime because it's like wow we really are on our own here and god is want calling us he's calling us to this and when we feel most <laughs> when we feel most on our own and when we feel most like we're in a godless world 
we feel most like how Jesus felt. So when God, mm. when God plays the role of the human in the story, he feels it deeply. Mm-hmm. And he also asks why. So like it's like, the... it, I think I mean, we talked about this a while back with lament and stuff like that. But like mm-hmm. lament, part of lament is protest. Mm-hmm. And it's like, God, this is your world. Like look, these questions should be taken to him. You know, we, we shouldn't be defending him or helping him across the road like a little old lady. You know, we, it's like, these are the questions that are put at your feet. And the thing is, you know, when we ask those questions of God, it's, he's not surprised because God asked those questions of God. Hmm. Mm-hmm. There's the Tom Waits had two songs, one of which are two quotes. One was a song lyric that was the whole song just about God's away on business. Hmm. And that's how we posture ourselves in questioning like all this oh, God's way on business. The other one was the the devil's just God when he's drunk. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Tim, yeah, last episode he quotes the movie Dogma and now <laughs> Tim, just got to bring it. Yeah, got to bring it into everyday life, guys. The thing, all of our listeners, all of our listeners watch Kevin Smith movies and listen to Tom Waits. I'm sure it's a real popular. Oh yeah, this is right down the line. Yeah, also, I would say Jesus. Jesus doesn't picture a God that's away on business. Oh, I don't think Tom Waits is a great theologian. No, no, but 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 that but the absentee landlord kind of motif. I don't think that represents the biblical picture either. Yeah, I think what, um, uh, but I think that that's how it feels. I mean, oh, I think you know what I mean? I, so I think that there's, yeah. there's a lot that Jesus is doing there. He's playing the role of the righteous sufferer from the Psalms, but he's also mm-hmm. giving expression to how it feels to be in this world where God is supposed mm-hmm. to be king and this world's supposed to be a place of flourishing. And also right. the spirit, um, the spirit, the spirit in Romans eight is doing the same thing where the spirit is close to creation and it feels, I mean, God, the spirit feels deeply, excuse me, creation's pain. And so when creatures in creation are groaning and that's that, that's that deep, uh, longing for things to be set right. That just, it's like, it's not even like something you can express. It's just so profoundly painful. The spirit is doing the same thing. And I, I think the way I read that, in Romans 8 is that Jesus and the Spirit are both praying to God that God would return and make creation new. So God, this is God's experience of the world. Hmm. I mean, I get it. It's not, that doesn't answer the questions. But well, no, it's interesting. It, it three-dimensionalizes it, if that's a term, or fourth-dimensional. I mean, it, it brings, that idea is interesting. God advocating to God, God pleading to God, God lamenting to God. Um, adds a different vantage point on the conversation that I think is interesting. The Do you guys think that the there's certain things that we take, I think, lay people, non-studious theologians such as yourselves, take, there's certain <laughs> things we have to take for granted in our faith. So stuff you just said about the spirit. I think for most of us, we're just like, okay, like the spirit, this entity that, Jesus says it's going to hang out with us and it's a third piece of the puzzle and yada, yada, yada. But what is it doing? Is it just hovering and hanging out? And, but also with the powers and principalities and these other players on the field and these other spiritual entities that have decided that they want to rebel or work against or whatever, are those real threats to God? How much, I mean, you know, there's, it seems like it's an important piece of the puzzle, but it's not one that we talk about at all. Yeah, and not part of our apparently frame. affects. Well, and apparently it affects a lot that they're they're meddling or doing something or they're doing their job, and we kind of just coast along, either blaming God for it or asking God why He allows it to happen. Or and as and Jesus has already gone ahead to cleanse and purify the next stage that also exists now, you know it. Was he, I don't know. There's just, it's, it feels yeah. so complicated and it feels like there's an extra layer on top of the layer. Like we have our faith and our understanding that we wrestle with. And then there's this other layer on top of it, this supernatural layer that I I think confuses the crap out of people and, and things, terms like the powers and principalities just get tossed around. Oh, it's just yeah. Like, oh yeah. There's uh there's some other entities out there like uh, the Prince of Persia or whatever. Like there's these 
beings that are doing, yeah. doing so. It's like, what? <clears throat> that seems like it's kind of important. Yeah, well, it, se- it seems to me that, like, um, um, there's a sense in which all of, all, of this, all of this language is working in Scripture to say, this whole thing is messed up on a lot of levels. And the, um, the sort of the answer is communities of faith banding together to sort of um, have solidarity with, with one another as we just hold each other and, and make it to the end. That's what, I mean, that's mm-hmm. like the content of faith, it seems to me. And uh, we're supposed to understand that this whole, this whole larger scenario is it's messed up. It's structurally messed up. Um, it's messed up way bigger than we could ever fix it. And our task is to just band together, be committed to each other in community and um, just sort of enact what it looks like that God, that God reigns because it, because it's like nobody else is coming. We're the answer. The humans are, I mean, this is, um, we're the ones that God wanted to enact his reign through. And there's not like, um, there's not like someone that's going to just sort of enter into it and make all of our problems go away. When people are hurting, when people are suffering, when there's injustice in the world, the church is supposed to be acting. It's kind of that cliche that we're the, we're the answer we've been waiting for. Yeah. And the (laughs) promise is, the promise is, um, God is with us in power to empower that project were we to take it up. And it's like, if, if we really get together and band together to do this, um, we become purified cosmic space. We don't have to talk that way, but God is present with us in special ways to enable us to go out and uh, fix local problems, to take care of people who are suffering, to carry each other when we're, when we're completely um, out of any kind of persevering faith you know, to sort of scale back on the business of our lives so we can give time to each other and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, this, I think it would be helpful to redefine some of those words over time, but like the, you know, at the beginning of this conversation with the, all the history that we carry with, um, you know, King and rain and that kind of stuff. But what you just said to like, we don't have to speak about that cosmic space in that way, but maybe we do and we need to redefine it or, or re whatever, um, to better understand it. Do you guys think that we are, if we're just kind of persisting and trying to, to, we are the agents of, um, not chaos, whatever the opposite of that is helping each other towards the finish line or whatever is the encouragement not to like from you guys as pastors is the encouragement to have to stop asking the questions of why and to lean into how does that make sense? Like, are we to, to, are there certain things that we cannot grasp? We will not grasp. And part of what faith and trust is, is leaning over past that and just saying we will as a community hunker down and try to be what it is that we have all been called to be. Like the one calling that we do all know is a real calling from God was this one, you know, to be kings and queens and priests or whatever. Like, is that what we do? Do we stop trying to wrestle with these larger things and just to encourage one another to just carry each other? I think so. <clears throat> I think it'd be great if we narrated that more often and if that made its way into our weekly narrations of what we're even doing here as Christian people and purify our, our singing and our songs and just, and get, get into our minds over five, 10, 25 years time in our, in our vocabulary and the way that we talk about being Christian, just emphasize constantly. This world is God's beautiful world and it's been broken is this is God's beautiful, but hijacked world. And so our experience, our experience of it is, is going to be like bodies break down, relationships break down. Uh, things break, things fall apart. Center can't hold. I mean, this is just kind of how it goes. This is the norm um, of Christian existence now, and it's our our joyful task, our life giving task, is to carry each other home, to exist as pilgrims throughout this um, through this sojourn, to use all the Hebrews terminology, 
And, and here's the thing. That's what God's reign looks like. If God's reign looks like the king getting up on a, uh, dying and uh, on the throne we see a, a slaughtered lamb, then God's reign is not going to look like lives of triumph. It's not going to look like lives that are shiny uh, or exemplary. Uh, it's going to look like lives of service and embrace and solidarity and compassion I mean, compassion. And then the larger questions of why. I just think there's no worse pursuit than to be set loose on trying to get answers to the why questions of our suffering. You just don't get it. It's hard. We're wired that way. That's so difficult. When you see someone wasting away from cancer to not just be like, I don't get it. Yeah. How is this the, how is this the model? How is this the route? How is this the design that, I'm but it wasn't to, the design. Yeah, it wasn't. I mean, that, this is not how it should thing. be. I mean, it's, yeah. It's not how it should be. So is and that the, like, is there that much power in these other entities or in the chaos, the debt? How did you yes. word it before? Like the coming in, like the, I remember years ago, maybe one of the early times that you were on the podcast and you talked about it. Cause I remember I could still picture it in my head. Cause I pictured Thanos coming in through the portal and it was like when it, when sin and death entered the world. Yeah these agents of chaos that entered the world. And I had a very like visceral vision of what that, I mean, I, cartoony vision of what yeah. that looked like. These entities coming in that were, are they that powerful? And, and I think the question that people have with that is the, why, why does God, why does God allow that? Or why did God create beings such as this or whatever? And I don't know. I don't know if there's answers to yeah. those questions, but yeah, those are, they're, um, well, I mean, conceptually when humanity rebelled, somehow these entities entered and, but they're not, their, their origins are mysterious. They shouldn't be here. They're hijackers. They're, mm. they're, they're interlopers. They shouldn't, they don't belong here. There's, there's no history to them. They're just here. Um, but, um, the thing is the human project was to explore the vast possibilities of how to bring about flourishing to human bodies, to, uh, you know, inanimate creation to the animal world, and what we've been pursuing instead is like the profit motive, selfish consumption. And like for however long humans have been around, we've been plundering creation and plundering bodies. And so we, we see all that happening. Um, so bodies break down. We're just not enacting God's reign the way we ought to. And all of that is grievous. I think the response of the church is grief and lament um, and, and repentance and seeking repair in the small ways that we can, but um, it's, it feels overwhelming to me, especially in, in, in view of bodies breaking down and, you know, living here in the Midwest in the great lakes, it's like to find, finding out how badly polluted they are. I mean, yeah. I mean, the, just coming out of the winter in the Midwest and watching truckload after truckload dumping chemicals on the roads um, I mean, that's just one micro picture of what we're doing to creation in the name of a, a well-functioning and efficient economy. We've been doing that globally for the longest time. And so it, that has an effect on human bodies. So I don't know, it's hard to, it's hard to lay blame anywhere else than the fact that humans have not taken up that invitation to collaborate with God in, in creating a flourishing globe. And um, the church is the body of people that should name that call people to account, um, initiate repentance, call others to repentance and take steps, uh, to manage our lives corporately so that we can actually bring about relief to where they're suffering. Mm. Like we've kind of denied the agency that was given to yeah, us. Yeah, totally. And then ask questions like, why, why did God allow this? Right. Well, uh, I don't know. We've neglected, we've neglected that. I mean, we, we just have not sought to establish God's, God's rule in those places so that they would be places of flourishing. I mean, how could we have this, you know, crisis of certain cities out West or wherever that are like running out of natural resources and all of that? Well, it's not a mystery. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? And, and I think that that yeah. can be multiplied. Uh, I mean, if we had real, I just wonder about this all the time. If humans had collaborated with God, just say 500 years ago and really explored like, um, you know, instead of plundering Africa and Asia and South America over the last 600 years, what if Europeans went to places and found out 
about natural cures and then um, exchanged like technologies with what what um, people had discovered about what could heal human bodies and like all of that and there were commitments internationally to not make any money off this stuff and like we're going to go to the places that are most in pain and bring healing and relief if that had been the human project over the last 500 years like how would that affect our lifespans you know i mean how, how what would that have done instead of european colonizers plundering um you know asia south america and africa and just stealing their stuff and then like unleashing disease and and famine and murder I, I, it's so i don't know i i just think about the possibilities there Medi- you know with regard to medical care and and how i don't know it's fun to fantasize about what humans could have done i mean what if we we got space exploration going earlier and had figured out how to do other stuff i think it's interesting yeah awesome buddy but yeah it's thank you it's us yeah well appreciate your time man as always absolutely man you guys are the best it's so fun to kick around you know theology and no country and tom waits (laughs) (laughs) yeah come on brothers tom waits yeah you could find uh Tim Gombas at Faith Improvised. Anything. I mean, it's his brand now. Everything Faith Improvised is Tim Gombas. Merch On the tweets. to come. Merch. Merch to come. I thought about mugs, but our beer glasses, but we'll see. Yeah. All right, man. Thank you. Thanks, fellas. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to this conversation. Voxology is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that is supported by listeners just like yourself. If you'd like to partner with us, you can do so at patreon.com backslash Voxology. You can also join the community and hang out and chat with us on the socials facebook.com backslash voxology podcast and on instagram at voxology thank you thank you thank you for walking the long road with us